Star Wars 7x7 episode 1917 today. The Hope series continues and we are shifting into the prequel trilogy as we look at the Phantom Menace and how hope is expressed and experienced in that movie. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. This is the fourth in my continuing series examining the nature of hope and how it manifests in the Star Wars movies. And we've already covered the original trilogy, so starting with this episode we are moving into the prequel trilogy and looking at The Phantom Menace. And just as a refresher, the reason why it's happening in this order is not because of any particular order in terms of of how the Star Wars movies should be watched. No, it's actually about looking at the Star Wars movies in the order that they came out simply to see if there are any additional insights that come with that, that particular viewing situation because these are how the ideas were developed over time by George Lucas and the other creatives that were helping him bring these movies to fruition. And so, yeah, it's more about that than about how one should actually experience the movies themselves. Now, having watched The Phantom Menace, the movie confirmed what I was expecting in terms of the experience of hope, how it would be qualitatively different from the prequels to the original trilogy movies. And that has a lot to do with the state of the galaxy as we find it in those two particular time periods. Obviously in the original trilogy, things are very bad. A <laughs> galactic empire is running the show and they are evil and they do terrible things and it's a small spark of hope that's being maintained by the rebellion to set things right. By contrast, the situation we find ourselves in during the prequel era movies is the exact opposite. It's one of peace and prosperity for the most part. I mean, yes, of course, there are bad things happening in bad places and we are dropped into a situation where a specific bad thing is happening in one specific place, but for the most part, things are actually going pretty well as far as we know. The galaxy is at peace, the Senate may not be very effective, but otherwise, you know, people are going about their business and not having to worry about an autocratic dictatorship and its faceless white army showing up and destroying everything. I mean, not yet at least, not for a few more years in-universe. But, you know, right from the opening crawl, like, I remember how when the Vanity Fair cover story on The Phantom Menace came out, and it included the opening crawl months before the movie was actually released, and it said in the first paragraph that the taxation of trade routes is in dispute, and there were already grumblings about the movie, like, taxation of trade routes, this isn't Star Wars, this isn't that, and, you know, it does seem like that's kind of a seminal moment in its way in the relationship of fans to Star Wars. And here we are 20 years later and I would say that it's only intensified in its way. But be that as it may, it also seems odd because in the following paragraph, there's a blockade of deadly battleships mentioned, and then in the following paragraph, we find out that two Jedi Knights have been secretly dispatched by the Chancellor, and we've been waiting to see Jedi Knights in action for all our lives. And the amazing thing about it is just how casual 
Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Young Obi-Wan Kenobi, how exciting, are when they're dealing with the battle droids in those opening scenes, right? I mean, it's just the effortless lightsaber work. This is the Jedi Order in the height of its power, and it's thrilling to see. But I'm digressing slightly from the topic of hope. And so, you know, when we talked about it in the original trilogy, one of the things we talked about was the etymology of the word hope, about where it came from and about how unusual, say, for example, sayings like hoping against hope seem to be on their face. But when you understand that in you know earlier forms of the word hope, it involved an expression of expectation or of waiting for a result. And so that's why you're hoping against a certain expectation, thinking that the odds are not in your favor, right? So most of the expressions of hope that you hear in the original trilogy are in a verb form. In other words, I hope the old man got that tractor beam out of commission. Or in The Phantom Menace, you hear it as well when Watto says, I hope you didn't kill anyone I know, when Qui-Gon tells him that he's acquired a pod racer in a game of chance. But that kind of expression is much more prevalent in the original trilogy than it is so far, at least, in The Phantom Menace. Another thing that's more prevalent in the original trilogy is the personification of hope. So, for example, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. In other words, this particular person is my only hope. Or Obi-Wan saying, that boy was our last hope, and Yoda saying, no, there is another. Then Luke saying to Leia in Return of the Jedi, you know, if I don't come back, you're the only hope for the Alliance. So it's only in people with a certain level of influence or power in whom people can invest hope, right? Like, nobody's necessarily saying that Kes Dameron is our only hope. Kes Dameron is Poe Dameron's dad, who was part of the strike team on Endor, or saying Shara Bay is our only hope. Shara Bay is Poe Dameron's mom, and she was part of the rebel fleet that was in the space above Endor. So yeah, it's only certain powerful people. The Phantom Menace is diffuse by comparison. So when the Jedi get onto Naboo and they're trying to get off planet. They get to the hangar and they see all the battle droids holding the pilots hostage outside and they have that brief conversation. Sio Bibble says that our only hope is to get the Senate to side with us in order to stop this blockade and what the Trade Federation is doing to them. And later on, when Queen Amidala finally gets to Coruscant and has her first meeting with then-Senator Palpatine, Palpatine is talking about how bad things are in the Senate and that they're not going to be of any assistance. Amidala says that Chancellor Valorum seems to believe that there's hope for them. And Palpatine says, yeah, but he is mired in baseless, quote-unquote. You can hear the air quotes when he says it. Allegations of corruption and that the bureaucrats are in charge now. So there again, Chancellor Valorum saying that there is hope for the situation. This is, again, a more diffuse kind of hope, an expression that a large body of sentient beings are able to maintain hope in a certain outcome. And by certain, I mean a particular outcome, not necessarily the probability of that outcome. Should be choosing my word a little bit more carefully. And there is another remarkable expression of hope that is entirely different from either of these, and also you know, kind of different from anything we saw in the original trilogy, except that it is a similar notion in its way. There's a quiet congratulatory celebratory scene in the hangar bay after the Boonta Eve pod race where 
Padme says, we owe you everything, and Jar Jar is lifting Anakin up over his head, and then Mom gets her moment where she grabs Anakin and squeezes him, and he's like, meh, Mom, and Shmi kisses him and says, you have brought hope to those who have none. Now, we know that he is the only human, or at least it's expressed to us, that he's the only human who can pod race, and so a human winning a pod race, yeah, that would certainly provide hope to other humans who might aspire to pod racing, but... I don't think that's exactly what she's talking about, even though the those as a generic pronoun isn't necessarily made clear. No, I think she's talking about slaves, right? There doesn't seem to be any other possibility here. And if you wanted to consider a population for whom hopelessness would be, you know, rather a significant trait, well, yeah, I think slaves would really qualify. And it's important to note that at this moment in the movie, when Shmi says this to Anakin, neither Shmi nor Anakin know that Qui-Gon has wagered with Watto to be able to free Anakin. So in this moment, when Shmi says this to Anakin, they both believe that they are still slaves and that they are going to continue to be slaves. They have no knowledge of this deal. And so... The notion that a slave can rise above one station and do something remarkable, like that is the kind of hope that Anakin has provided potentially to other slaves. And it's important in its way because when, for example, Luke talks to Leia about how if he doesn't come back that she's the only hope for the Alliance, I know I said that it's really a personification thing, but it goes beyond that because... Leia being a hope for the Alliance, Leia is somebody who, you know, as a personification of hope, is able to spread it. And that's the major difference between the original trilogy expression of hope in a personification sense versus how it's expressed here in The Phantom Menace. In the original trilogy, you're only talking about the people who embody it. But in the case of The Phantom Menace, the way Shmi talks about it, she's talking about how that hope spreads. Not just about Anakin embodying the hope, but how what he has done actually makes it possible for other people to feel that hope. And naturally, there is more that we could talk about <laughs> in regard to Hope and the Phantom Menace, but I think that's going to do it for our conversation today. At least on the subject of Hope, there is... Oh, hello, Padme. Um, our video production assistant is here in the studio now. And, you know, there is actually one other bit that we have to do on the show here. It's because the Department of Corrections got in touch with me about Sio Bibble, and so we'll handle that after the break. Stay tuned. Hey Rebel Razor, I've made some changes to the asteroid belt level at patreon.com SW7X7 and they are all with sponsors in mind. So if you want to get the word out about your business, your product, your service to a dedicated Star Wars audience, then please check out patreon.com SW7X7 and look for the asteroid belt level for details. Again, that's patreon.com SW7X7. Welcome back. So earlier this week when I did the episode on beards in Star Wars and I talked about how I was nominating Sio Bibble as having the best beard in the prequel trilogy, well, I mentioned that he was an advisor to Queen Amidala and although that is in one sense accurate, it kind of undersells what his actual deal is. So the Department of Corrections got in touch and pointed me to Wikipedia. Here is Sio Bibble's deal. He was at the time the governor of Naboo and the governor's job was to be the chair of the Royal Advisory Council of Naboo 
was also tasked with overseeing all matters brought to the monarch's attention and dealt directly with town governing officials and regional representatives in day-to-day -day administration. This is a much bigger deal than simply being an advisor to Queen Amidala. So there you go from the Department of Corrections. Sayo Bibble, the governor of Naboo, and just how extensive his duties were. And that is going to do it for today's episode of the show. Thank you so much for joining me for it, as always. And may the force be with you, wherever in the world you may be. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other related Star Wars items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2019 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.